Hey, this is Seth Scruggs, co-host of Rewatch. We're very excited to announce that we are going to be premiering a short film called Five Minutes. It was directed by me, and it was produced and written by Zachary Vaughn. We shot it back in December, and we're getting ready to release it on August 28th at 6 p.m. It will be premiering on YouTube as a live premiere. Uh, you can find all the information on Instagram at MarkSpotsTheX Productions. Following the premiere of the film, we are going to be hosting a live Q&A at 6.15 uh, where we're going to talk about the film and you can come out and ask us questions and we'll be excited to answer them. August 28th at 6pm with a Q&A following at 6.15, the premiere of 5 Minutes, a short film by Seth Scruggs and Zachary Vaughn. Hello and welcome to Rewatch. My name is Seth Scruggs and this is a show about movies we love and movies we haven't seen yet. Each week, me and my compadre, Zachary Vaughn, Hello. talk about a movie that uh, one of us has seen before and the other is watching for the very first time. Is that, is that a good descriptor of the show? Yeah. I always I always question myself every single time that I do and that. You always nail it. So oh, thanks. Um, well, Zach, how have you been? It's been a week. I've been good. Yeah. Good. It's not been a week since we talked. It's just been a week since we recorded us talking. It's true. <laughs> since good. there has been evidence publicly shared that we have <laughs> talked. Yes, this is true. Well, um, we watched a movie. I actually just watched this movie. Like, I just finished it, and then I sat down and pressed <laughs> record. Um, so do you want to talk about it? Let's do it. Yeah, so tell me, what did we watch, Zach? Because I have short-term memory loss. <laughs> we watched Die Hard, which was a... Is... Is... Was... Is a 1988 action classic directed by John McTiernan based on a novel by Roderick Thorpe. It stars Bruce Willis, Alan Rickman, and uh, Reginald Bell Johnson, I believe. Yes, it does. Yes, Reginald yes, Bell Johnson. it does. Um, it's about a New York cop who takes down German terrorists in California. Hold on, hold on. In a Japanese building in California. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. That is that is entirely accurate. So it was my first time seeing this film, and I loved it. <laughs> um, I a lot of my friends make fun of me a lot because I tend to like the more artistic, not necessarily out there, but like real dramas or whatever that mm -hmm. means. Um, but I have a real soft spot for really fun action movies. And this film was no different. I, I, yeah, it's just, it's a good time. It is, it is just a grand old time. And um, as I'm sure we'll talk about, I think that it is an incredibly well done film. Um, I think that structurally, I mean, the acting is great. You know, it's, it's an action movie, not a ton of depth. But I think that the writing really does this movie a lot of favors um, in a lot of really great ways. But upon seeing it again, what were your kind of initial thoughts? I 
I saw I saw the the cheesiness of the actionness. I don't know. That's not that was a lot of probably not real words. Um, <laughs> I saw the shortcomings more than I did the first time, um, but I also saw just how like how fun it is. Like it's 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 Bruce Willis shooting up people. <laughs> He's just. Yeah, I also, I also interestingly, um, took stock of the like social consequences of movies like this. <laughs> Which what was do you weird. mean? How do you mean the social consequences? Um, so like early on, he, uh, I think, with the first terrorist that Bruce Willis um, uh, confronts, I guess, captures, mm-hmm. kind of, yeah. kills. Um, yeah, he kills him. He he kills yeah. him dead. Yeah. Uh, the guy says he says that he's a police officer, and the guy says, "Oh, then you won't kill me because you mm-hmm. have rules." And he goes, "Yeah, that's what my boss tells me." <laughs> and I was just like, "This is gonna go real political real quickly." Um, action movies like Die Hard or anything else that features a cop as the hero as a good guy paint police brutality as always justified or generally justified yeah i i can at see least, where you can least, make that argument at yeah. least classic like classic movies like mm-hmm. die hard and yeah. stuff like that where it's it's a it's not about the story it's about the action generally reward and they generally like and they they do it and it makes sense in the story because like these are clearly bad guys who don't care about human life so anything he does to them is stopping them from doing that or worse to other people yeah and i think that's where i would define the difference between um what is happening in this film and police brutality um because i think that if he's doing this like brutality implies that whoever is receiving it's not a justified act it is not a it is not a proportional response it is someone exercising their power and authority over someone else and that's why it's brutal and considered Mm -hmm. brutality here where he's pushing back against the he's giving a proportional response. I think it's a little bit mm-hmm. different. And the only reason to jumped out as with that first guy is they had that conversation. And in that conversation, the guy was not attacking him fair. And then he attacks him. And so I was like, Hmm, interesting. <laughs> um, but anyway, off that soapbox, um, I saw there, this man, this thing is so ridiculous, but it like, makes like it it works it just it does yeah you believe it you believe that this guy can survive all of this oh yeah even though he like there's no way no there's absolutely no way that he actually survives this but yeah sure whatever Mm -hmm. or even (laughs) just makes it out of like without having to amputate his feet (laughs) like he's gotta have so many infections oh so so many so much glass so many 
But um, I'm curious your thoughts mm-hmm. uh, on because you hadn't seen it yet. What did you like? What did you really like about the movie? So I think what I really liked about the film is obviously the action is really cool. I really admired how efficient it is in a lot of its storytelling and how well done, even, even though a lot of it is simplistic, it is incredibly well done in that the, everything kind of ties back to the central themes of the film. You know, you find out from the very beginning in the first 10 minutes you get the information that Bruce Willis is on his way to LA. He's a cop with the NYPD. He has two kids. His wife is working at Nakatomi Plaza. She's in a really high up position and this dude is flirting with her. You even get to the point of like, why is he going to be barefoot later? Mm -hmm. All in that first like 10 minutes with very little like actual conversations about the story, right? Like very only once does a character actually like say out loud, this is what I'm doing and this is what's happening. And even then that character is kind of made fun of because he keeps asking questions. Um, So you find out that they're, separated probably headed to divorce though they're not divorced yet mm-hmm. that neither of them really wants to get divorced but they also don't really know how to keep going mm-hmm. and in that you have John McClane and I don't want to necessarily make this more uh philosophical than Die Hard is <laughs> but in a sense John McClane is not just fighting for the hostages and to keep them alive or even to keep himself alive. He's really fighting to save his wife and to save his marriage. And so all of that is thematically tied. So rather like we could watch the film without knowing that he's trying to save his wife and potentially his marriage, hopefully his marriage. And it's kind of implied that if he does save his wife, then he does save his marriage. But we're not told, like, if if we're not told that, then we're like, okay, this guy's going to be a hero and save these people. But we're given these emotional stakes in addition to the physical stakes of Mm -hmm. saving 30 hostages. And I think that that is so well done because we're thematically tying everything together. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the same thing with Officer Powell. Powell, did I say that right? Yeah. Um, I because he yes. calls him Powell a few times, and then Powell, and I, I just I have bad hearing. Yeah, it's, I guess it's Powell. Okay, cool. Glad I got that right and didn't embarrass myself. Um, considering I just watched this movie twenty minutes ago. <laughs> um, and even you're given kind of that thematic thrust with Powell as well. You know, he's got a kid at home and he's working a desk job and he's working a desk job because he shot a kid and he gets to redeem himself at the end. And yeah, it's a little cheesy, I guess, 
it's a little overdone, but at the same time, he gets closure for his character. Mm-hmm. I really liked that. It gave an arc to a side character, and most mm-hmm. side characters don't get complete arcs like that. Mm-hmm. In an act, especially in an action movie like this. Yeah, and I think that it really just brings the film as a whole to another level. And it's why this film works when other action films don't. Because the, yeah, there are brilliant, awesome action chase scenes in the film. But at the core of it is John McClane's need to take care of his family and to survive. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the reason that it really sticks with people and why people like it as much as they do. It does what a, uh, what one of my screenplay books that I've read says is the mo- one of the most important things to do is it makes it primal. Mm-hmm. Um, it make it's a very easy to understand motive because it's not a guy saving the building it's the guy saving his wife and saving his marriage yeah and so people understand that and they relate to it or like they they get it it's it's the kind of thing that separates you know so <laughs> martin scorsese made the news Uh, Because he said that Marvel movies weren't really cinema, whatever that means, as much as they were amusement park rides. And we could talk about that claim, and I think there's plenty to to talk about there, and it's kind of been talked to death. I don't know if I necessarily agree, but that's a whole other thing. Um, But I think what separates Die Hard from one of those amusement park kind of movies is that there's a heart to it Mm -hmm. in an amusement park so take um the fast and the furious presents Hobbs and shaw right dwayne the rock johnson jason statham that movie is a whole ride and a half (laughs) it is so much fun it is absolutely ridiculous it big explosions Idris Elba is a super villain like it's it's everything right I didn't necessarily emotionally connect with that film there wasn't something that hooked me that makes me just say man I really want to see that again Mm -hmm. I enjoyed it I had a good time but it was so much more like an amusement park ride than it was a story that I really connected with and I think that's what separates Die Hard from something like that with Die Hard I connect with the character I connect with his motives and with his goals yeah I just I think that that's what separates that kind of thing you know yeah um and that's something that separates even Die Hard from the other Die Hards yeah I haven't seen those so I can't speak to that um I saw those within (laughs) two days um, I haven't seen the fifth one yet, but I saw the other three. Um, the others, especially a good, hold on, what is it? A good day to die hard. The fourth one. Um, <laughs> is that the one where he like meets his kid? 
Like his other son? Um, no, that's the fifth one. Oh, okay. Um, the fourth one revolves around like hackers and stuff. And so in order to make it interesting as a diehard movie, they throw a whole bunch of random explosions. Of course. He, yeah, it, that is very much a, all right, what can we make blow up next? All right. The semi truck that he's driving, but he's going (laughs) to keep driving it Mm -hmm. after it's blown up. It's interesting to me that they would expand out of like the formula of this movie because again, part of what works with the film is yes, the connection, but part of the tension of the film is that it's all in this one enclosed space. So I feel mm-hmm. like if you take it out of that idea, then you've lost everything that's really unique about this film. Mm-hmm. Um, Die Hard 2 is similar in that it is at an airport um so it's still kind of contained the airport is cut off um but it's pretty it's kind of rough um die hard 3 is good die hard so in my opinion (laughs) um without having seen the fifth one yet um I think Die Hard 1 is the best, followed closely by Die Hard 3, um, which both of those were directed by John McTiernan. Gotcha. Um, And so that's why I think 3 is better than the others. Um, But then it's 2, and then 4 is way down there. Yeah. Um, So that's the definitive ranking of the Die Hard movies from Zach Vaughn. Not including 5. I don't know where 5 fits. If anyone has um, any, if your list is different, you're wrong. Um, because uh, Zach, Zach is the definitive diehard expert. I don't know. I feel like I feel like Abed from Community or Jake Peralta from Brooklyn Nine Nine have a better definitive. I don't know exactly what their ranking is <laughs> off the top of my head, but I think it's similar. I feel like it would be similar. Yeah, I I texted you this, but I want Andy Samberg. And Danny Pudi to do um, to do a commentary on this film, but in character together, mm-hmm. um, because I I think that that would be that would be almost more enjoyable than the actual film uh, for me, because yeah. I I just I love them so much, and I think that it would be mm-hmm. so much fun to see the two of them together interacting about this film. And look. Mm-hmm. COVID still exists. Lots of people are still sticking at home. I think it's I think it's time. It's time. Yeah. I I do think it's time. Um I don't know how to make so, this happen, <laughs> but I want to try. Yeah. Um what did you think of Gruber? I liked him. Not I well, I didn't like him. Let's let's start there. <laughs> um I thought his character was good. Um I I enjoyed um the development um of his character and kind of seeing him become more and more desperate. I would have liked to know a little bit more of his motive. Mm-hmm. Um I I think it would have I think 
that it would have been good to see what he was going after earlier. Yes. Um, to know, okay, this is his goal and this is why he's doing it. Um, I don't, I don't mind the mystery necessarily. Um, but I think that there needed to be some sort of stated or seen motive for why do we have so much explosives? Why are we blowing up the building? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think that would have kind of upped the ante a little bit, but even, even given that not being there, I think that the ante was perfectly high. Mm-hmm. So, one of the things that came to my mind and will probably always come to my mind whenever I watch something that has like hostages and like a heist aspect to it is Money Heist uh, on Netflix. I finished the first two seasons, which was the first heist. And so I I am perpetually comparing people's heists to that one. <laughs> Which is I, not I haven't good. seen I haven't seen Money Heist, so tell me tell me about that. So Money Heist, um, quickly, uh, in this review of Die Hard, <laughs> um, Money Heist is about a group of criminals who take over the Royal Mint in Spain and uh, print money for days on end. Wow. Um, and uh try and get away with it and Mm -hmm. i'm not gonna say whether they do or they don't but there are like four seasons already gotcha and the first heist ends in season one uh after season two so (laughs) do what you will with that but there and there are complications and stuff but um it's really cool seeing their motive and their planning and all of it um because they have like backup plan after backup plan after backup plan. And some of those work, some of them don't. But so in Money Heist, they have a lot of explosives and stuff. Um, and they use it like the opposite way that they do in this. Um, and one thing that I will always be like, oh, the one aspect of Money Heist that really is the best of it is their goal throughout everything was nonviolence intimidation but non-violence and sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't but i think that's such a great plan because you haven't hurt anybody so like mm-hmm. it's not it's not very the, traceable yeah it's not very traceable cuts down like, the amount of crimes that you've committed yeah it cuts down that and your hostages might not hate you as much or like they they'd be more willing because they'd know that their life isn't on the line yeah. but also they might be more stubborn um anyway off of the money heist tangent i thought <laughs> this was a poorly organized heist mm-hmm. well also well organized but like <laughs> the fact that one guy was able to take him down granted he was the main character but like one guy was able to take him down. Um, I don't know. Like they, they should have, they should have been able to do better. I think. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think there's something to be said for that. 
Um, but I think at the same time, you have one guy who they didn't know was there who's also a skilled cop. I'm not trying mm-hmm. to defend the real, uh, the reality of um, <laughs> Die Hard. Believe me, I'm not. Um, yeah, no, I agree to a point. Um, it does seem, it does seem not planned very well. Um, and I think it's interesting. I I would have liked to know a little bit more about Hans Gruber. Like, I feel like we should have learned more as time went on that we didn't learn. But at the same time, I think that the mystery of the character is part of what makes the character. And he just kind of is this cold, not lifeless, but in a sense, like stoic, distant villain. And I think that it that works in his favor. And I think that's why he sticks around in people's consciousness. And that's one of the things I really liked about him. Um, Cause it bothers me in movies, TV shows when the villain like drags things on mm-hmm. and like, is it like this sounds cold blooded, but like isn't willing to just kill people. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like this guy literally counts down to three or up to three counts to three Mm -hmm. and when the guy doesn't give him what he wants he shoots him yeah and he does it to multiple people multiple important people yeah the fact that they did that to the the guy at the very beginning of the film kind of signaled that this was a different kind of film um that they weren't gonna mess around this guy isn't some James Bond villain who's about to monologue forever. No, right. he, he's going to, he says what he's going to do and then he does it because that's mm-hmm. how he rolls. And mm-hmm. I think it was, I think it makes the character way more effective. Yeah. He definitely exudes more power because he's not, he doesn't really have a flair for the dramatic. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe a little bit, but definitely not as much as a lot of people. He was going to blow up the whole building. So, yes, but I'm, I'm saying more like, like he doesn't really monologue. Yeah, Um, no, you're right. He, he takes action. Um, Mm -hmm. even when he's trying to like, uh, go undercover as a person, a person, (laughs) a hostage, um, he doesn't like, he, he does a really good job at being scared. And then when he has this opportunity, he takes his opportunity. He doesn't just start chewing, uh, uh, McLean's ear off. He's, he just, he tries to shoot and it doesn't work. Yeah. 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 I think the, I think he was a good villain. Uh, for sure. Um, and he's a good match for McLean. Which, where you have McLean kind of being this cowboy uh, outlaw almost versus Gruber's very kind of strict rules and how things are going to go. And it, it makes for an interesting dynamic, for sure. Um, so, Zach, I wanted to ask you, an important question about this film. Okay. I think you know where this is going. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> is, 
Is Die Hard a Christmas film? Give me your reasons why or why not. Okay, so long story short, it is absolutely a Christmas movie. Um, my reasoning being takes place at Christmas time. They address that multiple times. And it's about taking care of family, sacrificing for family, and uh, reuniting with family. And it ends with a Christmas song. And it's basically a reverse Home Alone. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. It's Home Alone before Home Alone was Home Alone. How many times can you say that? Um, I agree. I agree. I think it's a Christmas film. Um, for a little bit different. I think that. I think that really, in order to be a Christmas film, Christmas has to be. Not necessarily primary in the story, but it needs to be important to the plot of the film. Um. And it definitely is for this film. Like why like it gives the entire impetus for John McClane coming to Los Angeles. You mm-hmm. get some of the be- one of the best jokes is the fact that he sends this dude that he just killed down wearing a Santa hat. It does end with a Christmas song. Mm-hmm. It's a Christmas party. Yeah. That's the reason that everyone is gathered that they would even choose this night, you know, and, and then you add on to the themes of family and hope and all of that. And I think that it, it drives, drives that point home. I agree. I think it's a Christmas film. Um, and I think we, we as a culture, I think just need to suck it up and accept it. I think the reason people don't want to call it a Christmas movie is because it's a hard R Christmas movie. Well, yeah. But, like, it has more Christmas themes (laughs) than a lot of Christmas movies. You want to name names? No, I mean, generally. eh, Like... It it has it is I think it's more of a Christmas movie than a lot of Christmas movies. Well, okay, it is definitely more of a Christmas movie than a lot of Christmas songs are Christmas songs. Hmm. Okay. Which I know is it might you might think it's a stretch because it's comparing movies to songs, but like <laughs> Jingle Bells is a winter song. True. True. It's not on a that Christmas note, song. On that note, uh, let it snow. Which is the song that the the film ends with is also just a winter song and not a Christmas song. Yes, but it is considered a Christmas song. Yes. Just because it, just because that does kind of undermine my point a bit. It does a little bit, but continue. But the fact that it is considered a Christmas song. You keep digging yourself in that hole. That the fact that it is less of a Christmas song than this is a Christmas movie means that it is even more so a christmas movie sure yes yeah i think maybe (laughs) (laughs) 
I didn't do debate in high school or college or anywhere. I didn't do I didn't do debate. So. Yeah, I mean, I think the the definition for like Christmas anything is a little weird because we definitely have tropes of like a, mm-hmm. what a Christmas film is, right? Like it's it's probably a comedy, maybe a drama, but with more comedic elements. It's sweet. It ends with everyone happy. Um, and so the fact that this is a hard R action film butts up against that. Mm-hmm. But let's, I mean, just being real, like there's n- the only definition of a Christmas movie is that Christmas is involved in the film. Exactly. So, sure. You know, Christmas music is almost solely defined by its lyrics and its mm-hmm. lyrical content. I mean, I guess that's kind of... There, there are some elements that are just traditionally Christmas songs, but... And I'm not—I'm no music theorist, so I guess I can't really comment on that. Never mind. I'm gonna backtrack. <laughs> I'm gonna get out of there. <laughs> but um, but yeah, no. I think that if your only qualification is that the themes about of Christmas and the idea of Christmas is prevalent and important to the plot, then this definitely fits into the definition. So, was there anything that stuck out to you this time seeing the film that you didn't care for as much, that you didn't really like? Okay, specifically, there's a spot where, um, when John McClane is crawling under the, like, stretch of, uh, of, like, conference tables, um, and the terrorist does, like, a roll onto the table. <laughs> and I was like, that was such an unnecessary roll. It was cool. On on a but, note about that scene, I think that that scene is just the perfect use of just re- it, it's the perfect symbol for this film in that yeah. The they just banked on the most ridiculously modern architecture they could find and then used it to their advantage. So that like that conference Mm -hmm. table, which is just the weirdest shape ever and just gives him perfect cover. Um, the, they used that perfectly. I also has nothing to do with what you were talking about, but sure. Yeah. I also didn't get why the guy didn't just shoot through the table. Yeah. While he was crawling under, especially like earlier than he tried to, he totally yeah, could have, he totally like, could have and it would have been fine. He would have, like, would have gotten done what he wanted of to do. Jumping onto the table, taking a knee and shooting him mm-hmm. under the table. Yeah, that would have made too much sense. I think. Yeah, that wouldn't have been exciting. No. Then he would have shot John McClane up where John McClane shot him up too. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a little disappointed whenever I see it whenever I see it the first time and the second time I saw it that 
they didn't take that opportunity to make that more comedic. Mm -hmm. Because, like, he's standing right there. (laughs) Yeah. And he's shooting him, and it's like, oh, man, that that got him in the front of the thighs. Come on. No, it didn't. Aim it a little bit over. No. (laughs) That's... This is a comedic beat. Just (laughs) acknowledge it, use it, accept it. Yeah. Make the guy... Do the Wilhelm scream, maybe. (laughs) Just go all in for it. Just go all in for it, yeah. So, I don't know how you felt about it. My... I think my least favorite thing about the film is the weird news anchor subplot. Yeah. Like, there's a lot going on there, right? Like, they I got... They wanted to have the news anchors there because eventually we need to re- we need to use the news to reveal something, right? Which is fine. I guess you can do it that way. It's acceptable. It's lazy, but it's acceptable. But they, like, add all of this stuff in with the news anchors, and, like, the news anchors are feuding with each other, and one of them, one of them's, like, a bumbling idiot. Like, it's, it's very confusing to me why it was included the way that it was included because ultimately it adds nothing to the plot of the film agreed so it's just so perplexing to me um one thing it does do and i don't know if you if you need that need it so uh the main reporter uh who uh holly slugs at the end um is a main part of die hard 2 gotcha um i think it could have been written to where that's not as critical for the previous movie from the previous Mm -hmm. movie but as it is he's a very critical part of um Again, bringing information that shouldn't be public to the public's ear and causing them to freak out. Yeah, it just, it it felt so superfluous. And it felt so like, it's really nice that they gave Powell a, a really solid story and arc. And it felt like they wanted to do that by kind of feeding, like, this dude's greed for the story, I guess, is what you would call it, right? Like, that seems to be what it is. He is He's greedy for this good story, so he's going to push the, the boundary, and he wants to beat out this other dude. It's the only explanation I have. Mm-hmm. So, but it, it just doesn't... It doesn't feel like it works. Yeah. And they don't really wrap up the story well because he just, he gets punched in the face and that's the last we see of him. Mm-hmm. Main, the main motivation of a side character being ambition doesn't, doesn't super work well. Doesn't work super well. And he's um, not. Because. Yeah. Like you can't you can't fill out the character, so they just come off 
as this generally arrogant don't get in my way or i'll trample you you can't add nuance to them as a side character because you don't have time well and he's not really connected to the rest of the story right like it's such a contained story within nakatomi plaza they're there they're staying there they're in this building and powell is connected because he just happens to stumble upon this and he's connected through mclean and they're communicating but what is this who is this news anchor connected to he heard the story on a police scanner strong-armed his way into getting a news van and then went down there and just bugs everybody so there's not really you don't really gain anything from his story other than that that's the way Gruber learns that Holly and John are married Mm -hmm. and that's literally it yeah um so one thing I noticed, um, I've noticed it in a lot, but it I realized it in this, um, is in movies and TV shows where um, cops are the main characters, federal agents are generally portrayed as these arrogant, I'm better than you, get out of my way, I'm taking over the case, blah, blah, blah. And kind of, like, villainized. Mm -hmm. Which happens here. Which happens here. Um, And then in movies, TV shows about federal agents, cops are often portrayed as bumbling idiots. Like, I just think it's interesting that there are very few... I'm sure there are movies and shows that don't do that um but it feels like there are very few that like that offer both in industries both uh both areas of law enforcement a respect and give them a dignity that well not all federal agents are just jerks and not all police officers are just sitting on their butt eating a donut. Yeah. Yep. I think I think there's a I don't know, like I'm obviously not a police officer nor a federal federal agent. Um but I think there's probably you're they're trying to communicate something about what the character's feeling a lot of the time and we're Mm -hmm. in the minds of those characters right right so when you're a police officer the federal agent has more power than you like just Mm -hmm. by nature of their position they have more power than you right and you're trying to do something and you feel like you know more about the situation which is what's happening in Die Hard and so you feel powerless when you can't do anything more because the person with more power has come in. And then on the reverse side of that, when you have a federal agent, they have more power than this police officer. And they're looking at it saying, well, why aren't they doing their job? 
I can push through this boundary. And really the reality mm-hmm. is they because their badge is what it is, they can push through the higher clearance and get things done mm-hmm. quicker. It's not really that they're more qualified or better. Right. So I think I think a lot of it is probably an interesting commentary on power. Not not purposefully, like a subconscious kind of thing, but yeah. And I like what you said about how, um, like, the perspective, um, because every story is told from a perspective. Mm-hmm. And so, like, even if most stories aren't told from, don't eat, like, most, most stories aren't told from an outside third party, like, unbiased third party. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could even argue that a story can't. It has to be even unintentionally through the window of a certain person's eyes in a certain area. Even if that person is the writer, the director, the editor, like, um, they're going to show their perspective on relations between law enforcement branches. Do you want to close out our discussion of Die Hard with that then? <laughs> discussion yeah. about perspective and law enforcement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, Zach, tell me, did you like this film? Um, what did you rate it? Uh, would you watch it again? I did like this film. Um, I Letterboxd wasn't working when I was watching it, um, so I couldn't change my rating. Um, I think I gave it a three. I might bump it up to a three and a half um, because it is an icon. It is, um, it's, it's a movie that set in motion a different kind of action movie, I think. Um, Yeah. Um, And it's a good time. And I would watch it again. It's a fun movie. It's um, one of the good two. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I I really liked this film. I actually gave it a four. Um, and I definitely will watch this again. Um, I love, I said it earlier, like I love a good action movie, kickback, good time. And that's, that's what this movie is. So uh, yeah, for sure. We'll watch it again. Well, I think that wraps us up for today. Zach, do you want to recommend recommend anything? Yeah. Um, so this movie is a lot of fun with some heart. Um, a movie that has less heart, but is still really ridiculously fun. I thought, I thought you were um, going to say it has less heart and is also a lot less fun. No. No, I no. Um, but so my 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 recommendation is Six Underground. It's uh, Michael Bay, Netflix original. This movie had me just smiling with my jaw dropped for like the entire first hour. Um, and then eventually I was like, I should probably close my mouth. Um. 
don't want to dry out anything. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was, it's so much fun. It keeps your attention so well, keeps you engaged. It's just, oh, it's funny. It's awesome. It's Ryan Reynolds doing what Ryan Reynolds does best. Um, That's awesome. It's possibly the Michael Bayist movie of all Michael Bay movies. <laughs> good, um, good. We need that. Yeah. Well, good. My recommendation, and you're going to be upset because I'm going to beat you to it, um, is I haven't been watching a lot of movies lately. I just moved back to school, so I haven't had as much time to sit down and watch a full movie. Um, so I've been watching a lot of Community. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm almost done with the show, but it's just, it's so good. Um, they, they did a Christmas episode where Abed kept saying that he wishes they had done Die Hard in a restaurant. And I think that that would have, after seeing Die Hard now, I think that would have been a better Christmas episode than what they did. (laughs) Just throwing it out there. Um, yeah, community. It's on Netflix now. Um, so if you're into that sort of thing, you can check it out on Netflix. Highly recommend it. It's yeah, it's just a it's a good time. So a really good time. It is six seasons and a movie. Um, which we're still waiting on. We're still waiting on that part. There's the talk about part. it, but hey, six seasons and a movie. And All a right. Movie. Next week. Zach, I'm excited about next week because why are you excited? We're doing something different next week. Um, so we're going to take a break from watching brand new films for us. Um, so normally we talk about shows, the movies that one of us has seen and the other hasn't. And then we talk about them, right? Um, next week, we're going to talk about a movie that both of us have seen. So we're calling it rewatch favorites. And we're going to talk about one of our, both of our favorite movies. Um, it's The Princess Bride. It was written by William Goldman and directed by Rob Reiner. It stars Carrie Elwes and Robin Wright and a whole host of other just really fantastic people. I'm very excited about this act. You know what's going to be really hard? What's that? You've gotten really good at explaining how the show works and then next week you're gonna have to explain (laughs) how the show works and also that we're not doing that (laughs) that's true um we i we did it i did it to myself i guess um but yeah so if you're so inclined you can watch princess bride and join us next week when we talk about it um it's gonna be a good time so until then You can check us out on all of the social media channels. Um, I am at Seth Scruggs, both on Letterboxd and Instagram. Zach, you changed your Instagram handle. I did. So you're now Zach is thinking yes. on Instagram. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're and just Zach on in on Letterboxd. Letterboxd. Yeah. Yeah. And you can also follow at Mark Spots the X Productions on instagram uh that's for all the stuff that we do um we got some really fun stuff coming up so make sure you're following that as well and i think that takes us out zach 
I'll talk to you later. All right, I'll see you.